I'm Brian Kilmeade. I'm Martha McCallum. I'm David Asman, and this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, July 13th, 2020. I'm Trey Yinks. The world reached a new record for daily positive cases yesterday as the COVID-19 outbreak continues. The UN said that the emergency of the Sahel is one of the fastest growing displacement crises in the world, and we have to act now before it's too late. And maybe it is too late. This is the Fox News Rundown, global pandemic. Yesterday, with more than 230,000 positive tests coming back in a 24-hour period, the world saw the highest number of daily cases since the coronavirus outbreak started. Although hotspots for the disease have shifted around the world. Over the next few minutes, you'll get the latest headlines on the global COVID-19 outbreak and hear from you not Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer, about important stories over the past few months not related to the virus. Each Monday, we'll have the news you may have missed amid the coronavirus pandemic, starting first with COVID-19 updates. Brazil, for example, is approaching 2 million total cases and currently has seen more than 72,000 people die of the disease. Brazil's president, Jair Bolsonaro, has received heavy criticism for downplaying COVID-19. Last week, he contracted coronavirus and appeared before reporters without a mask. Brazil's mortality rate is second only to the United States. Now to Mexico that has reported 35,000 deaths from coronavirus. The Mexican mortality rate has now surpassed that of Italy, one of the initially worst hit countries. With limited testing taking place, analysts say the true death toll is much higher in Mexico. A review of funeral home data by Reuters in May showed deaths were being underreported by half. Finally, in South Africa, an alcohol ban has been reimposed as new cases are spiking and authorities are trying to limit social events. The country has well over a quarter million cases as the government is maintaining a level three restriction. This means a countrywide curfew will go into effect once again today and social activities will be restricted. The South African government expressed concern that the population isn't taking COVID-19 seriously enough. These are all extremely important updates, but there are also other major stories developing around the world. Talking about Hagia Sophia, which is a beautiful landmark in Istanbul, in the heart of Istanbul. This is Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. She joins us today in studio. It um, started out, out as a church and then was converted in 1453 to a mosque. And then um, now it has been one of the most uh, prominent tourist attractions. Um, And over the weekend, the president of Turkey, Erdogan, um, has defied the core decision that it will stay as a monument and a museum and decided to convert it back to a mosque. And, of course, an active mosque so people would come and pray. He did promise that uh, people from all religions can come and see this remarkable UNESCO World Heritage Monument. However, a few hours after he has decided it, police has put around blocks and deterred people from coming in. Um, The Christian world, as well as the international community, has expressed the concern about it. And Pope Francis said on Sunday Mass that he's pained by the Turkish decision. I think it's interesting that we're seeing Turkish President type Erdogan defying the court ruling in order to convert this iconic structure in Istanbul into a mosque. And I imagine a lot of the concern for the Vatican is that there are structures and pieces of architecture, paintings that make 
this building a World Heritage Site? Look, we do know that Turkey has a Muslim-majority population. More than 99% of the Turkish population identifies as Muslim. So politically, it makes sense that Tayyip Erdogan would make this decision. But when you look at the timeline of history, there's certainly a concern that this could alter the way people perceive the Istanbul skyline and the history associated with the city. And also the minority of the people uh, in Turkey. Um, you, um, you mentioned the timeline of events throughout Erdogan uh, ruling in Turkey since 2003, and it has been systematically put more and more constraints on um, secular people. Um, he's forcing more and more religious um, aspects of, of government and education and culture. Um, and some people say, especially in the Western uh, world community, that the democratic is backs- backsliding and he's putting more and more um, censorship on the press and social media. Opposition leaders, they have been known to be arrested or disappear. Even some say that even the, the attempt coup that um, was back in July 2016 was his own initiation. He orchestrated it, and following it was a a mass wave of arrests and imprisoned and a state of emergency. So one would ask, (laughs) why is he doing it, and how is he respecting Turkey's old uh, heritage and culture? These are extremely important questions to ask, and Unfortunately, questions I don't know that we'll get answers to because the rule of type Erdogan is often direct and enforced and doesn't always have the accountability that we see from leaders in the Western world. I do want to shift gears now to sub-Saharan Africa. We've seen demonstrations erupting over the past week in Mali. I saw an article over the weekend about protesters in the capital of Bamako taking over a state television broadcast, the broadcast dropping from air, and the other information coming out extremely volatile. Violence erupting in the streets, police using live ammunition, firing tear gas, and live rounds into crowds. What do we know about these protests in Mali? You mentioned the taking over of, of the TV station. Uh, we should note as well that the internet was down. It is still down from what I understand. Um, this demonstration hasn't started uh, this weekend. It has started, they have started in June. Um, they're uh, against the government. And it causes much concern to the UN and the EU um, because of the use of lethal force toward the demonstration. From what we know now, there are eight people who have been killed over the weekend and doesn't have been wounded. Some of the leaders of the demonstration and the opposition have been arrested. Um, Mali is part of the Sahel, which is, includes countries like Nigeria, Burkina Faso, Senegal, Nigeria, Algeria, Cameroon, and Chad. And it's a belt that is inflicted with constant violent incident from Boko Haram that we've seen in Nigeria and Al-Qaeda-affiliated groups. Um, UN launched 
uh, two weeks ago another initiation of helping and appeal to help the refugees in the region. In the past year, 848,000 people have been displaced and 3 million have been displaced in total. Um, the UN said that the emergency of the Sahel is one of the fastest growing displacement crises in the world and we have to act now before it's too late and maybe it is too late. You've been listening to Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer. We'll be right back. Shifting gears here, you talk about stories that are forgotten and not covered in the media. And one story we discussed over the weekend, global warming. This is a topic that is ongoing as an issue. There are activists all over the world trying to raise attention about what is happening in the Arctic, what is happening with rising temperatures. And what I find interesting about this discussion through the lens of the COVID-19 pandemic and what we're watching unfold around the world is the ability for scientists to gather more data about how bad global warming actually is and how urgent the pressure is on the international community to act. I guess the larger question is, how has the current environment, whether it involves travel or geopolitical situations that have unfolded as a result of this pandemic affected the world's ability to get a clearer lens about global warming and the results of human action. Trey, first of all, thank you for raising this very important issue. Um, and you, do, you are right. It's not getting enough attention. And when we do get the images of a glacier melting, it's probably too late to do anything. Um, what we've seen in, during the COVID-19 pandemic and what the University of Sydney, Australia has released uh, only today, we saw a significant drop of the amount of greenhouse gases, the ones that are linked to global warming. The last time such a significant or even lesser one than this one was in 2009. During the pandemic, everything stopped almost immediately flights, we were quarantined to our houses, um, not many factories were working. And so we saw a, a, a very sharp decline of pollution, um, but it's not enough. Now we're going back to our reality and to our normal activities and we need to pay a lot of attention on how we're doing it with taking into account the environment. Um, just two weeks ago, on June 3rd, um, the temperature in the Arctic Circle have reached an all-time high of 38 um, degrees Celsius and 100 degrees Fahrenheit. It's 18 degrees higher than the average. While sometimes we do see um, heat waves in the Arctic, this specific one was um, longer and in a bigger scale than usually happens. And so we need to pay a lot of attention. And on the other side of the world, in the South Pole, um, according to some recent reports, the Southern Pole is warming up three times as fast as the rest of the world over the past 30 years. So we do need to pay attention. As we said, um, one thing, there's the butterfly effects. 
in around the world when we cut down on rainforest or we put more and more um, harming uh, factories and we use uh, coal and unclean energy, it affects on the rest of the world. The glaciers are going to melt, the CO um, and the uh, other dangerous gases are going to be released from the earth and from, from the glaciers, and this is going to be a greater cause of concerns. And we need to think of what we are leaving to our children and our grandchildren. Um, and also wrapping up with uh, COVID-19, we understand now that a higher pollution might harm the um, chances of recovery for uh, COVID-19 patients. Um, and so we need to take that again into consideration and account. Absolutely. I think that we've seen some incredible images in cities around the world where they were so filled with smog before, and you can now see mountain ridges off in the distance and monuments from across cities that you couldn't previously see just simply due to pollution caused by humans. One final story quickly I wanted to get to, our good news story of the day. We've got some space developments in the Persian Gulf. Tell me about this and what people have to look forward to when it comes to the next age of space travel. Ooh, um, I'll start with the HOPE probe, AMAL. Um, it's going to be launched in two days from now on July 15th, shortly after midnight here local time in the United Arab Emirates in the Middle East. And it hopefully will arrive into Mars um, at the first quarter of 2021, marking the 50th year of the Emirates. Um, a couple of days later, China will um, join the Marsh mission of its own and then the United States. Um, as for future um, travel in space, I can only hope that we're going to have a chance one day to be there. Uh, it's interesting that Mars is the next horizon. And I think some of the efforts of Elon Musk in the United States will be something everyone will want to keep an eye on as not only do we explore further into space, but also explore the possibility of civilian travel into space, hopefully in the near future. Yonat Freeling, a senior Fox News field producer, joining me today in the studio. Yonat, thank you again for your time. Thank you, Trey. See you next Monday. You've been listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up-to-the-minute news, go to foxnews.com. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com.